Hello and welcome back to OT Talk with Mr. T, the show where we talk how to live occupationally as well as how to incorporate fine motor skills and functional life skills. I'm your host, Mr. T. Questions, comments, suggestions are always welcome at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com. We're finishing up with the last few topics within school therapy tips and we told you next season we're going to do more school therapy tips and then the third part, even more school therapy tips. We have a few other topics to get through to finish off the school year in Season 2. Then we'll take a summer hiatus, God willing, and come back fresh, new, different material to start off with the beginning of the school year, God willing, in very early September. And we're also going to talk OT's role across the continuum, across many different settings with the help of AOTA's fact sheets. Today, let's talk with the help of yourtherapysource.com, 10 activities to get ready to cut without using scissors. We talked about before, before you can actually hold the scissors, hold the pencil, and use your fine motor muscles of the fingers and the hand to be stabilized and to be at the attention of the task and at the table (coughs) cutting, excuse me, cutting at the table properly, the rest of the body has to be prepared, ready to roll, ready to rock, and stabilized and prepared to work. So in order to get the fine motor of the fingers, we need the gross motor of the other bigger limbs and the rest of the upper extremities in the body itself to be ready to rock. So some activities to do that is to get some gross motor movement before the fine motor could be really successful with the scissors itself. So there are 10 activities to help develop pre-scissor skills to help get the body ready for cutting. For number one, activities that require upper upper extremity weight-bearing, such as crawling over and under objects, animal walks, and walking on hands. We talked the other day about the, the bear trench, the trenching, the army trench, creeping on the ground before a kid crawls. That's interesting, and that's a way to get a lot of upper extremity weight-bearing. You could also do things such as using the the scooter boards when they're sitting on their chest moving around with their arms too. So requiring the upper extremity to get the weight bearing is good. Number two also is activities that encourage upper extremity muscle strengthening, such as monkey bars, rock climbing walls, and tug of war. These are all activities we think about as kids, but we don't realize that they could really be beneficial, especially towards the fine motor work my fine motor work, excuse me, sitting at the table, sitting at the desk. Paper activities. We talked about a whole episode about ripping things and crumbling things. Very, very worthwhile to go see those episodes that we talked about last season. So tearing paper into small pieces and scrunching tissue paper into small balls, that gets good work into the fingers, good movement and good activity into those finger muscles and the muscles of the hands and the wrists. Lacing cards, number four. Punch small holes in recycled greeting cards and lace yarn through the holes. Lacing activities are good. It also is good for the ADLs, getting kids used to using shoelaces, getting used to the idea of the shoelaces and how to tie shoelaces and how to manipulate and move the laces around. So you you can make it your own way or you can use the lacing cards from Melissa and Doug or other companies that have them pre-made or you could DIY. You could do it yourself also. Number five, you could also play with clay. Create small balls, pull the clay apart and use rolling pins. A lot of times I like to use the the tweezer or the tongs to get them to move the balls also. And that's good for the three-jaw chuck, for the tripod with the thumb, the pointer, and the middle finger also. Use a hole punch, number six, or paper punches. Make a collage out of the small pieces of paper. Collages are great 
It's a debate which is better to use the real glue or the glue stick. If you want to get the strength of the squeeze and getting them to use the muscles, then the big glue is greater. If you want them to use the glue better and to have more fine motor control, want it to be less messy, and you want them to hold the glue stick, then you can use the glue stick also. But either way, collages are very cool. And then you can use the scissors also later on to cut out the pieces of the collage. But beforehand, you could rip out the pieces of the collage also. Then you could use the tweezers or twongs or tongs from the bathroom and kitchen to pick up small objects like cotton balls or dried macaroni, or even if you're really adventurous, to pick up some Q-tips, which are very thin, not as easy. The tip is a little wider than the actual stick. You could grade up or down harder or easier depending on the ability of the child and of the task. Then you could string beads or macaroni on yarn, string or pipe cleaners. We talked about beads and these acti- these different uh, items also. You could also do completing puzzles, and you could also use clothespins to help strengthen the small muscles of the hand. We're also going to talk today some tips for teaching children how to get dressed. These are skills we want to see at four, five, and six years old for sure. We want them to be able to do it themselves. So with the help of yourtherapysource.com, we have some tips thanks to them also in terms of getting dressed. Allow children practice time to undress. Children will usually learn to undress first. Doffing items, undressing items is easier than putting on items. Praise them for being independent when undressing if appropriate. Be patient. Do not try to teach them dressing skills if you are in a rush. It takes children a long time to dress themselves. Perhaps pick out clothes the night before to eliminate one step. Every night now with my older son, we pick out the outfit. And my son says, I want to pick out the outfit. So I ask him each article of clothing. Which shirt do you want to wear? Do you want the undershirt? Do you want the tzitzis? Do you want which underwear do you want? Which shirt do you want? And which pants do you want? And when it was a little colder, we said, which sweatshirt do you want also? When he sees the clothing item, he gets excited. And then at five in the morning wakes up or when it's 4 a.m. and the birds are not even chirping and he says, get dressed, get dressed, get dressed. You know why? Because he really wants to get dressed because he picks out the clothing and then hopefully he's motivated to try to put on the clothing himself also. Then at the end of the day, he or she hopefully will be able to help themselves undress as they get used to the ability of dressing skills. Provide verbal cues as necessary. Try to use wording on each step-by-step direction for consistency. As the child becomes more independent, reduce the verbal cues until they can be discontinued completely. If verbal cues are not working, try visual cues. Show them pictures, and you could do step-by-step-by-step showing that the arm goes through here, the head goes through here, then you pull it off here because verbal might not be as easy as picture cues for very young kids. Try teaching dressing using backwards chaining. That's going backwards, using the last step first usually. Backward chaining means that an adult prizes assistance throughout several steps until the child can complete the last steps independently. A little bit of a different explanation. For example, help the child hold the shirt, put the arm through, put overhead, and put the other arm through. The child then completes the last step independently of pulling the shirt down. This I do a lot of times. You give them a lot of assistance, but let them do a little bit. And hopefully, little by little, you you decrease the amount of assistance you get, so they increase the amount of independence they have. And that's the backward chaining technique. Continue this process by advancing to the child, completing the last two steps, then the last three steps, etc., until the child is independently putting on the shirt. And then also try easy items first, elastic shorts, elastic pants, or shirts without buttons. That's why I believe a lot of the clothing from Carter's and Children's Place and the chil- and all these other places are not buttons, are not snaps, are literally over the head pull down and pull up 
all the way up for the pants and for the shorts because they realize and we understand that these skills take a while for kids to get. So you don't see a two-year-old having buttons on every single edifice and every single part of the shirt and the pants because we're not going to have that right away. We have the overhead and the pulling up, and then we gradually increase and we try to do snaps and zippers and the like but the very 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 infant newborns obviously we're doing it for them anyway so we have a lot of snap clothing for the baby anyway so also that's why we do the easy items first and we said lay the clothes out in the proper order and direction for the child make sure all the clothes are turned right side out if you give a kid a shirt that's inside out he's not going to be able to do it he's going to get frustrated and he's going to throw it down and say i can't do it So make sure it's the right way and it's in the right order and the right direction. You can lay out each thing and you could show that this is the underwear, then the undershirt, then the tits, then the shirt, and then the pants laid out in direction order that he understands or she understands also. Practice dressing skills with larger dress-up items to increase motivational levels. Also model the steps by dressing a doll first. The child can practice dressing and undressing dolls or stuffed toys. If they're boys, they could have Daniel Tiger. We have the Daniel Tiger potty where he has the sweatshirt and they have all these different items. Melissa and Doug has them also with the dress-up items and it allows the wooden pieces to show you where each thing goes. You also have try hand or hand. Try hand-over-hand help. If the child needs complete assistance for certain steps, try putting your hands over your child's hands to complete that step until the child becomes more independent because hand-over-hand is still better than you doing it for them because you're working with them instead of working for them. You're doing it together with them instead of doing it for them. So it still helps them to learn how to do things with help but not doing it for them completely and then practice in different environments different contexts there's the person there's the task and then there's the environment peo one of the models of how we do therapy person environment and occupation or the task depending on how you look at it so different contexts different environments are important once the child can complete the dressing tasks independently practice the skills in different in different environments bathroom versus bedroom or with different types of clothing tighter versus looser fitting so for example you could practice after bath time when they're putting on the pajamas you could practice in the morning when they're putting on their day clothes you can practice when you're going out in the snow or when you're going out to the beach different contexts different environments different types of clothing all to help children get dressed thanks to yourtherapysource.com join us next time as we talk about tips to help children develop self-control here on ot talk with mr t and i'm your host mr t